were created to be a creative being. Think about that for a moment. You were created with God's DNA. You see, God just didn't create widgets when he created you. God didn't create flowers. God didn't create uh, asphalt. God didn't create trees. God didn't create clouds when he created you. He created all those things. And then he said, now, now, let me get to my masterpiece. You were created by God for God to have victory. And what happens is, is the only reason that we don't have victory, the only reason that we're able to look and see how our enemy is having victory and running rampant is because it seems like we lost our identity. Like we forgot who we are. We're, we, we, we forgot that God created us. You see, what we have to understand is that when God, when God created you, what happens when a father and mother create a child? Come on. They give them their own blood, their own DNA, their own likeness. Come on. Uh, they, they receive, the child receives so much from their mother and father. And the same way with you. When God, when you said, listen, uh, I believe uh, Jesus is the Messiah and I confess it with my mouth. I believe that he died on the cross when, uh, and I accept you into my life. When you say that and you really believe it in your heart and he comes into your heart, it's almost like God did the same thing he did with Adam. <sighs> he blows the breath of life in you and now you become a living, watch this now, speaking spirit. Now, I know some people interpret that there's a scripture in Genesis that says God breathed into Adam and he became a living soul. Uh, and there's no real translation that says he was a speaking spirit. But if I use inductive reasoning, come on, and I say that God created flowers and he created animals and he created bulls and he created oxen and he created giraffes and he created uh, bugs and he created spiders and none of them speak. But when he blew the breath of life into Adam, he began to speak and he began to call the animals by name. He began to name them. Come on. He became a speaking spirit. I want you to know this morning that you are a speaking spirit. And that's what I want to encourage you with. You, the reason that there's eight keys to victorious living is because God is trying to get us to be victorious. The reason why he said, if you do these things, you shall never fall. If you do these things, you shall never stumble is because what he really meant to say was, if you do these things, you will never stumble. What he was really trying to say to you was, if you do these things, you will never fall. And then when I went and I looked it up in the Greek, I saw that it said, if he, what he was really trying to say with that Greek word, he was saying, you'll never stumble. I said, whoa, that's even deeper. That's deeper. Then I went to a lexicon. I went to Matthew Henry commentary. And I went even online to the all-knowing Go Ogle. Some people call it Google. I went to all those places. And it said, he, you will never fall. You will never stumble. So I said, God must have meant that when he said that. He created you to never fall and never stumble. You were created to be a speaking spirit. And that's what he wants to get us back to. Remember back in Genesis 1.26, back in Genesis uh, 3, the devil knew it. The devil knew it because he, he, told, he knew about Eve's identity and he knew that she was like God. He knew that Adam was like God because what did he say to her? 
It wasn't that what he said to her was false, but he was just trying to, to, to make a wedge in between us and God. What, what did he say to her back in Genesis chapter 3? He said, now, if you eat of the fruit, then all of a sudden your eyes will be open, and then all of a sudden you'll realize that you're like God. All of a sudden you will realize that you're like God. See, it's not that he was telling a lie. He's just trying to draw a wedge. He knew that if she understood that and she sees that, then all of a sudden there's something else. But it was disobedience is what made the fall. Come on. But we need to understand that we were created to be like God. Genesis 3.22, you were created to be like God. You were created to be like him. And I just want to tell you that we need to start. The, here's what happens is, what I want to deal with just for a few moments is, what happens is we, we don't see ourselves that way. Now, let me tell you, you are not God because he created you. We know that. You're not God, but you have his DNA. I mean, I'm not my father, but I have his DNA. So you're not God, but you have his same DNA. And God is a creative being. God, God believes. By faith, God spoke. When he spoke, he knew it was going to happen. And if his spirit is in you and his words are in you, how could it not come to pass? Come on, if it's his word. The only way is we forgot our identity or we're off. We're trying to do our own thing. We're in our flesh. But if we're in God, if he abides in us and we abide in his word, then we're speaking his word. We should be overcomers. Come on, we should be victorious. Even when something comes against us, we're able to walk through it. And the the more victorious you are, the more the enemy will throw at you. Come on. But the more the enemy throws at you, the more victorious you are. Come on, somebody. You can walk right through it. You can walk right through it. We, we need to learn how to speak. Watch this here in Matthew 12, uh, 12 36. Watch how, how, how God is, watch how Jesus is trying to, yeah, put up Matthew 12, 36. He said this. He said, but I say to you that for every idle word, how many words is every? That's all the words. Every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. By the way, let me just say something. I know I'm taking liberty, so forgive me. But I realize that what the day of judgment is when we go before the Lord. But also, uh, if I could take liberty, Lord, thank you. Uh, the day of judgment, also, when you're speaking out a word, when that thing comes to pass. When you plant the seed and the harvest time comes, come on, that's the, time, that's the day of judgment as well. And you're going to give account for every word you speak. In the day of judgment, keep going. And then it also says, for by your words, you will be what? Justified. And by your words, you will be what? Condemned. By your words. When will we as Christians take that seriously? When will we take that seriously? Here, what God is trying to get us to understand is uh, what what you believe and what you speak are paramount to your life. Even above your actions. Now, your actions have to line up. We know that. You have to have corresponding action with your faith. We know that. But before you can even have corresponding action, you have to have belief and you have to speak it. We know what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says for most of us. If you believe in your heart, what? Come on, somebody. Confess with your mouth, what? The Lord Jesus, what? You shall be saved. Come on, somebody know it. Two people know it. You shall, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, 
you shall be saved. We can't even get into heaven without believing and speaking. What would make us think that God does not want us to live that way? That's not just for getting into heaven. Turn over to Mark chapter 11 for a moment. You know this scripture. I'm not just giving you some prosperity message. It's not just some uh, sloppy agape, which is what some of y'all say. I'm, not give, I'm just trying to give you the W-O-R-D. That's it. That's all. You can call it whatever you want to. That's all I'm trying to give you. It's just what Jesus said because Jesus said it. I know it because it's written in red. And that's how I know Jesus said this. Come on. Mark chapter 11. Well, you, do you have that up there? Mark 11. Mark 11, 23. He said this. For assuredly. Assur-, he didn't just say, listen, I want to tell you something. He said, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and here it is does not doubt in his heart but believes so you see speaking and believing go together but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says this what he's trying to get you to see is how important speaking is and what you say is I mean if you if you listen we, we're, we find ourselves in these situations and we just magnify the situation. Well, you know, I, I sure don't have any money and I just can't see where I'm going to get any money and I just don't know how it's going to work. And that's all we say. We don't go back to the Word, speak what the Word says at all, pray, see what God might say about the situation. And if we do pray, our prayer is just, oh, Lord, it's just rough out here. By some miracle, will you please throw down some money from heaven or, or just make it work by some miracle? Here's what God is trying to tell you. I, I, he's, he's telling you, <laughs> he's trying to tell you, look, I, I'm not going to be doing miracles all the time because I'm giving you practicality. You, I gave you the power. I gave it to you. You have the power. Believe it and speak it. Speak to the thing. You're always praying to me for miracles. I can do miracles. I love doing miracles. I am a miracle. That's what God is saying. I am a miracle. I, it's no problem. Watch this. I can do it. It's, it's no problem. But my, but my heart, God is saying to you, is that you would be, understand your identity and that you have the power. You are somebody. You smart. You're smart right now. You are smart today. Come on. You have the power. You have the power. Listen, I, I can't emphasize it enough. I'm tired of looking at the world. We, look, we, we just look at, well, you know, Bill, Bill Gates, he's so smart. And, you know, Steve Jobs and LeBron James, he got all that money because he's so talented and so and so. And we're always looking at somebody else. The church should be doing all this stuff. We should, we should be coming up with the technology and not just, we should be starting our own companies. Come on now. We should be doing all that. And I'm not just talking about companies that print Bibles. I'm talking about we need to be making widgets and having new discoveries. Come on. We need to, we need to, and I, now look, I, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the church should be uh, making computers and all that. Somebody already done that. We need to make the next thing, the Xenon or whatever. Well, I don't know, I don't know what that is, but think about it. You, you make it up. Come on. We, we, we have the wisdom. We have the power. We have the know-how. We can tap into the greatest force in the universe as the church and as Christians. We need to be setting the path and blazing the pathway. I see it in music. Now, I know a lot of people may not be that into music, but just as, uh, you know, a hack musician anyway, and growing up around music, I see it in music all the time. The, the, the world comes out with something, rap music. And then 10 years later, the Christians start, well, we're going to rap now. 
Now we're going to rap after it's 10 years old. Don't nobody want to hear that. You're doing stuff for 10 years ago. Come out with some new music. You know, I mean, first we were, we were singing hymns and they was all great. Then somebody started playing guitar music. Then about 10 years later, we said, oh, we can play some guitar music. It's old now. Let's play something. Let's do something new. I'm not saying stop playing guitar and rapping or whatever it is you do. But I'm just saying, listen, uh, stop being behind the eight ball all the time as Christians. We need to pray for something fresh, something new, a new revelation. God, in re yeah, amen, hallelujah. God, God told us, he said in Revelation 4.1, he was telling John, I believe it's a word for us. I believe it's even a word for our church. He said, come up here, and now I'm going to show you what must happen next. I'm going to show you what must happen next. And that's what we have to grab a hold of. You remember back in Genesis, Moses the first time, all the people was complaining, talking about, well, we don't have any water. Why'd you bring us out of Egypt? This is crazy. It's hot out here. It's the desert. Uh, I just can't believe you would do that. And now we don't even have any water. So he said, uh, Lord, what am I going to do? These people are ready to stone me. So he went and he struck the rock and water came out. And then they went on about the business, did some other things. Now, if you remember the second time he did that, they were right about ready to go to the promised land. They start complaining again. We ain't got no water. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. He said, the promised land is right there. Well, I need some water now. I mean, I know it's over there. We need some water. And God said, all right, speak to the rock. And Moses said, these people are getting on my nerves. And he struck the rock. Water came out, but God said, you ain't getting over. You're not going over to the promised land because you was disobedient. You didn't do what I told you to do. Here's what it is. Here's what I'm trying to tell you is that some of us need to understand we need to stop hitting and striking stuff and start speaking to stuff. In order to get to your inheritance... Come on, in order to get to your inheritance, in order to get to the promised land, you're going to have to believe it and speak it and let corresponding actions, not your own actions where you just want to strike something. Come on. I know if you like me, I, I want to strike something sometime. I want to strike somebody. But anyway, come on now. I know you got a boss. Come on. Some of y'all retired. You don't have a boss no more. But, uh, you know, come on now. I mean, I'm ready to strike something. But I said, don't strike it. Don't strike it. Speak to it. Speak to your situation. I know our, our car, Dietrich's car was all, you know, needed some work. And uh, the man called, said it was, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we was like, what, is that much money? I, I said, let's go hit that car. That's what I was thinking. Let's go strike it. He said, Don't strike it, just speak to it. Believe in your heart and speak to it. That's what God is trying to get us to see. And you got to understand, here's the thing. You, if you find yourself in a situation, whatever it might be, Christian, I'm just, no, you need some more money, you need some deliverance, whatever it might be, uh, the devil has come against you, uh, there's a wedge in your, in your marriage, uh, you know, in your personal life, you just can't do this, whatever it might be, I want to understand you, I want you to understand that your, your situation is not designed for you to fail, it's designed by the enemy for you to fail, but by God, your situation is designed for your promotion. Amen. Amen. Huh? How many believe that this morning? Your situation is designed for your promotion. Give me, uh, give me Psalm 75, 6. This says what? For exaltation, and it really means promotion, that means promotion neither comes from the east nor the west, from the south, or from your supervisor. Come on. It don't come, but, but it comes from the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is the judge. Whatever God says is what it is. And that's who we need to go to. You need to understand your situation is not there. Here, I want to deal with something real quick. Turn over to Luke chapter 16. I'm just trying to encourage you. I know I'm going to get to self-control next week probably. But I, 
I just want to encourage, I, I, here's what it is, is I just want to encourage you to understand why uh, this, in this series we're talking about these eight keys to victorious living. Why we're talking about victorious living in the first place. It's not just another message, another sermon. Oh, great, you know, God is good. Praise God. Now I'm going to go back Monday and deal with all the stuff I'm dealing with and not going to take the word with me. God is trying to get some practicality in you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, uh, you know what? I'll I'll show you in just a moment here. I'm just trying to get something in you and me this morning. Listen, he he told me this this week. So he didn't already chastise me. And so I'm I'm just giving it to you. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just handing it off, I'm bringing it on over to you, what God is trying to tell us. He try, he, come on now, come on, you can do it. You can do this, you can do this. What did I say, Luke, Luke 16? Give me verse 19. Now, now what, I want to I deal, deal with something here real quick. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. What that meant is he was, you know, he just sat out on his patio drinking chai, iced tea, you know, lattes, and uh, drinking wine, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Fared sumptuously every day. That was him and his family. But there was a, a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Watch this now. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, just right there. You leave that up there because I, I just want to deal with one word up there. This is pre-cross and pre-resurrection, okay? That there was a, there was a certain poor man, and he was, at, he was at the gate desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the table pre-cross and pre-resurrection. Now we live in a time that's what? Post-cross and post-resurrection, as we're living in that, that time, that grace period now, after the resurrection. What did the, the cross and the resurrection do for us? It reconciled us to Jesus. We were saved by the blood that he shed. By the way, you can, here's another side note is, you know, one of the things is we just don't look at ourselves as valuable sometimes. Now, I know Romans says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. But just think about this for a moment. You can think about all the gold at Fort Knox or, you know, all the diamonds in the world or whatever it might be. You couldn't be bought back with all of that stuff. You had to be bought and purchased by his blood, his precious, perfect blood. The blood That's the only thing that could buy you back. And that means that you are valuable. And, but we look at other stuff that's so valuable. We look at a Rolls Royce or a Mercedes Benz or a house that has eight bedrooms and is 5,000 square feet or a diamond that's so big. And we say those things are so valuable. That's just stuff God created. That's all it is. What would make you think that a diamond is more valuable than you? Jesus didn't die for a diamond. Come on. He didn't die for a Rolls Royce. He didn't die for a 5,000 square foot house. He died for you. And the other thing is if you were the only person he ever created, he still would have sent his son to die for you. Are you getting at how valuable you are? You are valuable. And so what happens is we, we are we're post 
uh, resurrection, we're post-cross, post-resurrection, living in a time where Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We're living in this time, but some of us have the Lazarus mentality where we're sitting at the gate, desi- I want to deal with this word, desiring to be fed with crumbs. Now, is that God's will for our life now? Say desire. I think that some of us need to change our desire. We need to change our desire. By the way, I know that some would say, oh, well, now see you getting over into that thing. You're talking about desire, and what are you going to talk about next? You're going to talk about wealth. You're going to talk about, yeah, all that stuff. That's right. That's exactly right. It's all in the, it's all in the word. <laughs> it's all in there. But see, people say, well, you just appeal into people's greed. I'm not appealing to people's greed, not Christian's greed. Not Christians greed, because I'm going to tell you this, you are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, and now you have the Spirit of God in you. Come on. And you are, you are not conformed to the world. If I was saying this to the world, then they, they have greed, and they want all of that. But you're not conformed to the world, but you are transformed. Somebody say transformed. You are transformed. Your mind is renewed with the washing of the water of the word. And behold, you are a new creature. You are a new creation with the mind of Christ now. Come on. And so you should be the one uh, with, with, with the, to be able to lend to others. You should be the one with the wisdom uh, that's going to come up with the thing that's new. You should be the one with the, with the good counsel. Come on, somebody. Yes, you should be the one with the wealth. You should be the one with all of those things. Why? Because you're representing your father, not yourself. I'm not appealing to your greed. I'm telling you, you are blessed to be a blessing. Give and it shall be given unto you. Come on, press down, shaking together and running over. Shall all men give into your bosom. Why? So that you can then bless others. We ought to be starting colleges, uh, schools, all kind of stuff as Christians. I know it, that sounds crazy. It sounds like big talk, but we serve a big God. Come on, somebody. He made it all. He made it all. And so some of us need to change our desire. Now, I know over in Psalms, it talks about what? God said, I will give you the what? desire of your heart desires of your heart and I know we look at that and we say yeah uh, God's saying I will give you the desire so I'll give you what your desires are going to be and and that's fine I I don't care how you look at that scripture you can say he's going to give you what your desires are going to be or uh, even if you just said hey what these are my desires Lord and God said I'm going to give you uh, the desires of your heart because listen if you are saved and you are redeemed, you ought to be seeking the mind of God anyway. So whatever the desires of your heart are, ought to match up with the word of God. And I would say if the desires of your heart are not matching up with the word of God, you're not, one, abiding in his word. Number two, you might want to check to make sure you're saved because the Holy Spirit should be convicting you on things like that. Come on, somebody. But the desire of your heart, what are we desiring? Some of us just, we, 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 we play with the cards that were dealt, and if we're dealt uh, three twos and a four, and we say that's all we're going to get uh, in life, that, that's it, and that's what we desire. And God says, look, I, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He said, you are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. You are blessed when you come, and you're blessed when you come in to worship. You're blessed when you go out to witness. You are blessed. I have blessed you. In fact, if you're not careful, my blessings might come and overtake you. It's a word God is telling you this morning. 
But our mindset, and don't let, and you know, you might get inspired, you know, you might read some scripture or come to church or whatever and get inspired and say, yes, I'm blessed and highly favored and all of that. But don't, don't let Monday come and something happen. All of a sudden now, you have forgot everything that God's been telling you, everything that he's built up in your spirit. You need to hold on to the word of God in the midst of everything. In the midst of trial, tribulation, whatever comes to you, you need to hold on to what he's telling you. Understand who you are. And not only understand who you are, keep that. Keep it in your heart, whoever you are. <laughs> you need to have a different desire. Now, look at this one other thing. Over in Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Uh, I don't know if you, you have that one. Do you have that one? Numbers chapter 13. Uh, let me first... We're going to get down to verse 13. Let me, let me look at verse 3 real quick first. N Numbers chapter 13. I just want to deal with this one other thing real quick. What did I say? 13 or 3? 13. Numbers chapter 13. This is when they were going over into the promised land. Verse 3 just says this. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all the men who were heads of the children of Israel. So somebody say leaders. Moses sent the leaders, he sent the leaders out first to what? Spy on the land, right. He, tell, he told them to spy on the land and go see what's going on over there. Then he wants them to come back and report, so the leaders go over. And then we drop down to what, verse 23, drop down to 23. Then it says, now watch this now, it says, when they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch. Now watch this, watch this now. The leaders went over into the land to spy it out. When they came to the valley of Eshcol, they cut down a branch with a single, watch the words, with a single cluster of grapes. Now, keep going. So large, just a single cluster of grapes, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them. Just one cluster. They also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. Now, the leaders went over there why do you think they cut something down and brought some samples back? Why do you think they did that? I think it was for the people to see. So now they could know what their desire would be. Oh, God is good. God has blessed us. This is not just talk about this promised land. Now I see. I can see what God has for us, what he has in mind for us. I can see it. He, he's trying to tell, that, listen, the leaders brought this stuff back, and what they're trying to tell the people is, look, you need to come on. You need to be obedient. You need to do what God is telling you to do, because here is what waits for you. Now, as I started out saying, I'm sick and tired of looking at uh, Bill Gates and whoever, Warren Buffett or whoever else it is, or, or whatever it might be. I know that's, you know, you look at that as money, but whatever it might be, or someone else who's smart, or whatever it might be, and, and only looking at them and saying, well, they're the, you know what, you have a metron. This is what, this, the metron is simply a measuring stick, a, a calling that God has put on your life, right? And so that's what you measure yourself against. Don't compare yourself against someone else. Don't compare yourself again. What has God called you? What has he put in your hand? When he talked to Moses and they was getting ready to cross the Red Sea, he didn't say, what does Aaron have that you can use? Hey, uh, look here, ask Miriam uh, if she got something that you can use to part the Red Sea. That's not what he said. What did he say? He said, what's in your hand? What do you have? You, you are valuable. I don't know if you remember me saying this earlier, but you are valuable. Come on. God says you are valuable. 
You are valuable. He wants you to understand that. He wants you to know that. You can do this. You can live an abundant life. You can do it. Now, let me just say this. Over in Galatians 3.29, it says, And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Say, Abraham's seed. And your heirs, say heirs, according to the promise. You are Abraham's seed. You are heirs according to the promise. Now, let me just take you on this last, last scripture here, and I'll leave it alone for today. Let me take you over to Genesis 12 and see. You're, you're Abraham's seed. You are heirs to the promise. And watch what God does here. Watch what God does here over in Genesis chapter 12. First of all, let's look at it. What, uh, here, let me just read it to you first in the New King James. Genesis chapter 12. Uh, what verse do I want? Verse 2. Just, just verse 2. He said, I will make you a great nation and bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Then he says, I will bless those who bless you and curse him who curses you and all in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I will bless those that bless you, Abraham, and we're Abraham's seed and we're heirs to the promise. I just read it in Galatians now, if you don't agree with me. So you part of this. That's what I tried to show you. You part of this. He spoke it to Abraham, but you're Abraham's seed. Come on. And you're heirs to the promise. You're part of this. You are part of this. Uh, so he said, I'll bless you. Look at it in the Amplified. Here's the Amplified. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Here's that word. Abundantly. Make your name great, exalted, distinguished. Okay? That's what he said. Look at it in the message. In the message, he said, all right, he said, I'll make you a great nation and bless you. I'll make you famous. Everybody's going to know who you are because of me. I'll make you famous. And you'll be a blessing. That's what he said. You believe that? You will be a blessing. All right, you don't believe me? Look at it in the New Living Translation. Give me the NLT. It says, I will make you a great nation. Come on, somebody. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. You will be a blessing to others. Remember, you're Abraham's seed. You're heirs to the promise. You are part of this. I don't know if you really believe that. Look at the NIV. Let's look at one more. Come on. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you, somebody, will be a blessing. Somebody believe that? All right. A few believe it. Let's look at it in the CEV version. One more. It says, I will bless you. Here it is. And make your descendants. Somebody say descendants. I will make your descendants into a great nation. You are a great nation. You will become famous and a blessing to others. This is what Abraham's telling us. In case you don't understand who you are, you are valuable. <laughs> understand your identity. Now, lastly, let me tell you why. <laughs> Turn over to Deuteronomy 28. This is it, I promise. This is the last scripture here. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you need to pay attention to these eight keys. Remember he said, and do these things, if you will do these things. Mary read it earlier. He said, if you will do these things, if you will do these things, you shall never fail. Faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. If you will do these things. Look at, look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28. This is it. Deuteronomy 28. I know we just kind of all over the place here. Here, here let, me just, let me end with this. 
I think that what, what happens is we, we, we get fired up. We hear somebody preach something. We get all fired up. But see, there has to be, we talked about this yesterday in our leadership meeting, that, you know, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. We've heard that before, right? You plant a seed in the spring. Maybe you plant a seed in March or April. And around October, uh, whatever that is supposed to bring up, that hopefully will bring up, right? So let me ask you this question. Can you plant a seed out in the field in April and then go on vacation to Europe, uh, June, July, August, and September, and don't pay any attention to it, come back in October and expect it just to be bountiful and beautiful. I'm not a farmer. Some of y'all might be. Can you? I don't think you can do that. I mean, you, you're going to get something maybe because you planted a seed. I don't know what you might get. But there's something in between there called cultivate. <laughs> there's something in between there called obedience, called pay attention to. We got to do that. And I think this is where we fall short. I wanted to fire you all up telling you what your identity is. You're an overcomer. You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. Blessed when you go out. Blessed when you come in. Uh, God, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You are kings and priests. You, are, you weren't a people, but now you are a people. You're a chosen people. You are a chosen generation. You're a peculiar people. You are overcomers. You are more than conquerors. You're all of those things. Now, look. Look at Deuteronomy 28, chapter 1. It says, now it shall come to pass, if, 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 the word is if, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. He goes on to say, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord. There is the key. That's where it is. Obey the voice of the Lord. First, we have to understand who we are. We have to confess it. We need to speak it. We saw it because Moses struck the rock and God told him to speak to the rock. If you want your inheritance, we need to believe it in our heart. We need to speak it. And by the but in between the time we plant the seed and the harvest comes, we need to be obedient. If you obey all that I command you to do, come on, uh, I will set you high above all the nations of the earth. Now, I don't know about you. It seems like, uh, you know, we hear that and some of us get a little excited. A couple of us say amen and others say, well, you know, it kind of sounds okay. But then you just go back to your life getting beat up every day. Sometimes you up, sometimes you down, sometimes you level to the ground. Come on. Sometimes, you know, you don't know what's going to come and uh, what's going to happen. And you just uh, roll with the punches, say that's the way the cookie crumbles. Well, that's the way the ball bounces. These are the cards that were dealt. God didn't call you to be passive and sit back and let life happen to you. God called you to go out and take the land. Take the land, speak to it, and take it. When Joshua and them went over uh, and they, they, started, they started marching around, come on, and they gave a great shout. They didn't strike anything. They didn't raise a sword. They didn't fire a weapon. They didn't do anything but shout. They shouted the victory praise of God. Come on, somebody. And that's what God wants us to do even today.